What a privilege to be here and to be alive. <laughs> As some of you know, I uh, was struck with COVID about three and a half years ago. I'd been ministering in Montana at one of my favorite locations up in on the Boulder River. Spoke ten times, felt great. Got on the plane in Billings on a Sunday heading back to Dallas and felt tired, slept most of the way, and I thought, I'm just tired. <laughs> but come Monday, I went to see my doctor. She took one look at me and she said, Jane, you get in that corner. And she went in the other corner. And she said, you've got COVID. And by the way, COVID was so contagious back then, she literally went home and showered and changed her clothes uh, because of the possibility even of transmitting that disease to my doctor. A short time thereafter, I was in the hospital, which began a, a stay of eight months. Um, those were some pretty tough days. Uh, my dear, precious wife saw me on a very regular basis over that period of time. In fact, there were times when she was totally covered and unable to uh, communicate without being totally covered for protection from, from the COVID disease. But God in His grace and mercy, uh, in fact, in the first two weeks, uh, the doctors said, you better call in the family because he's not going to make it. And uh, I don't remember much of that, but they did come in to see me, and I, they say I was rational. I don't remember much of it in terms of communication, but God in His mercy. There were thousands of people praying for me, and I survived that out with COVID. I went home after eight months. Um, literally, after eight months, when I got home, I literally couldn't lift my legs to get into bed. I had another six months of recovery, and I can walk again. This is my security blanket, <laughs> which I like to have when I'm in this particular situation. And I look at what happened. I, I just... Um, when I think in terms of others that didn't make it, I, I realize it's just God's grace. I don't know why I'm here and why God took other dear people home to be with Himself. But one thing I know that I, I'm here to serve Him as long as He, he gives me strength. I talked with a dear sister uh, between services, and her husband was in the hospital for seven months, but he didn't make it. And when I hear a story like that, it's a humbling experience to realize that I'm still here and I have the opportunity to minister and to share and to communicate the Word of God. And today, uh, I want to talk about the Word of God, the Word of God and the will of God. That's how we know God's will. And I have in my hands, and you probably do too, the totality of the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, God's will for us. 
And if I had time, I, I would love to tell you in detail the story of William Tyndale, who in the 1500s was so compassionate to get the Bible into the hands of, his, of the people of England in English because they didn't have the Bible in English. But Henry VIII did not like that because it would reveal his hypocrisy if people read the Bible in English. And so the hierarchy of the church, literally, because he translated the Bible into English, he was burned at the stake. Think about that. A man died so we could have the Bible in our language, the totality of the Bible. And when I think about that, I think what an incredible opportunity and privilege we have to have the Word of God in its totality in so many different translations. It's a gift from God. Today, I want to take you to John's Gospel. It's a very interesting scenario. The apostles are very nervous because Jesus said He's going to leave. He's going to go away. They don't have a clue what's going on. And Jesus, in John chapter 14, said, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come again. But in the meantime, in the meantime, He said something very, very significant. And we find it in uh, verse 16 of chapter 14. Jesus said to these men, now remember, he's talking to the 11 apostles. Judas is no longer in the scene. He's split. He's gone. And Jesus said to these men, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. In the uh, Old King James, that's translated another comforter. You don't have to really understand the Greek to understand, thanks to those who've given us a good translation in English, but sometimes it's helpful to know what the Greek word is, and the Greek word that Jesus used here is parakletos. Jesus said, I'm going to send you another parakletos. And you know, that could also be translated another teacher or I prefer the translation another encouragers because that basic Greek verb, parakaleo, is used about a hundred times in the New Testament and many times it's translated encourage, to encourage. So Jesus said, I'm going to send you another encourager to be with you forever. And then he identifies the parakletos, the counselor, the encourager. He is the spirit of truth. And throughout this whole passage, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. And there's a reason. Because he's going to reveal truth to these men. And we see that unfolding when you get on down to verse 25. 
Jesus said, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the encourager, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. Now remember, he's talking to these 11 men. Will teach you everything. I'll teach you all things and remind you, all of you, of everything. I have told you, in essence, Jesus said, I am going to send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and he'll reveal everything that I've taught you the last three or three and a half years. And they still don't have a clue. And I can imagine Matthew sitting there, reclining there, just as nervous as all of these men, and he doesn't understand. I can see him pulling on his beard and scratching his head, and what is Jesus talking about? But in 25 years, he's going to find out. Because somewhere in the New Testament world, serving as an apostle, we don't know where he was. It may have been in the middle of the night. It may have been sitting under a tree somewhere. It may have been just getting ready to teach or speak. And we don't understand the dynamic and how it happened. But somehow, in his mind, he heard words that were crystal clear that he had heard he had heard over 35 years ago on a mountain in Galilee. Blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And suddenly he probably remembered what Jesus had said there in the upper room. He will remind you of everything I have told you. And the voice goes on. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. And he rolls out his scroll, and he takes his quill, and he begins to record the very words that he had heard over 25, 30 years ago on the Mount of Beatitudes, and he recorded all the Beatitudes he recorded the whole Sermon on the Mount that we have in the Gospel of Matthew. He recorded the whole Gospel of Matthew. And here we have it in our Bibles today. It had come true in Matthew's life. What Jesus had said. When the Spirit of truth comes, He's going to teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus goes on. They're still puzzled, still confused, fearful. There's a lot of hostility. Jesus' life is being threatened. Their lives are being threatened. But Jesus said, there in the night sky, they walked down the ladder, down the steps into the streets of Jerusalem. Jesus said, let's, let's leave this place. And they begin to walk in the darkness with their lanterns or torches, and they're making their way towards the Credron Valley. They go by the, the temple, and I think perhaps somewhere along that 
path in the Kidron Valley, Jesus paused. And I can imagine that John was standing right next to Jesus because he was very close to Jesus in a very special way. In fact, at the Last Supper, he was sitting right next to Jesus. And so he's walking. And Jesus turns to him. I can see him looking at John, but he's talking to all of them. In verse 26 of chapter 15, when the counselor, the encourager comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of what? Truth. Who proceeds from the Father. And at this moment, I can imagine him looking right into John's eyes and saying, He, the Spirit of truth, will testify about me. And again, I'm sure that all of them were puzzled, and I'm sure John was puzzled, but he doesn't realize that 60 years later, at least 60 years later, he's in his 90s. I can identify with that. (laughs) He was in his 90s. He was probably in Ephesus. Mary was perhaps still alive. We don't know. Because he was taking care of her, like Jesus asked him to at the cross. And he was somewhere, at some moment, in some situation. Suddenly, He heard words that were unbelievable. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And John realized that it was the Spirit of truth speaking to him. And he rolls out his scroll and he takes his pen and he begins to record. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father full of truth and through the spirit of truth John continues to write He records the miracles that Jesus had performed demonstrating who he is. And he culminated this great document with these words. He said, many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. That's us. Many other signs he did in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book, this book of John. But these are recorded that you might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing, you might have life through his name. Jesus' promise was fulfilled in the life of John. There, as they were walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, the Spirit of truth will come, and when he does, he will testify about me, and that's the whole purpose of the Gospel of John.
And so we have this incredible process of revelation and inspiration that has given us the rest of the Bible, the New Testament. Well, you know what happened? The Spirit of Truth came on the day of Pentecost. And Peter got up to speak. And as he got up to speak, he explained what was happening as far as he understood. And he refers to the fact that, and Luke records what happened after these people believed, 3,000 believed. It says they continued in the apostles' teaching. You see, first they spoke. Through this process, they spoke. Peter began the process on Pentecost. They continued this process. They wrote, they spoke, and then they wrote. And what they wrote is, in essence, the apostles' teaching, which we have in our New Testament. A wonderful, incredible gift that God has given us so that we know and can know the will of God. I want to force fast forward you in the biblical story and go to the last letter that the apostle Paul wrote. Paul, of course, became an apostle as well. When he wrote these words in 2 Timothy, he's in a prison, an inner cell. He was in prison the first time in his own hired house. He was released, but Nero had him once again incarcerated and as a dungeon, and somehow he got a parchment and a quill, and he wrote the last letter that he ever wrote before he went to the guillotine. And this is what he said to Timothy, verse 14, chapter 3. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, And you know that from infancy you've known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Imagine what Timothy is thinking. Imagine the memories that go through his mind when he reads these words from his faithful father in the faith. He knows that Paul is going to die because Paul tells him that. And Paul knows it this time. His mind would have gone back to an incredible scene. It was in Lystra, his hometown. Paul and Barnabas had proceeded to carry out the first missionary journey. And while Paul was in Lystra, because of his witness, he was stoned and carried outside the city and left for dead. And it says in Luke, Luke records in Acts that a group of disciples gathered around Paul as they saw him there on this ground, bruised, bleeding. In that circle of disciples, no doubt, was an old Jewish lady, and her name was Lois, and that was his grandma. And standing next to her, I can imagine a middle-aged 
Jewish lady. Her name was Eunice, and that was his mother. And we know their names because they're mentioned in the first chapter of this letter. They're identified. And I'm confident that standing next to his grandma and his mother, there was Timothy. His dad wasn't there. His dad was an unbeliever. We know that from Acts 16. He was probably down to the temple, the pagan temple of Zeus, worshiping a pagan god. But Timothy became a believer along with his, his mom and his grandma. And you can imagine what he's thinking as he's reading this final letter. As he reads these words, but as for you, continue what you've learned and firmly believe. You know that those who taught you, you know that from infancy, Timothy, you've known the sacred scriptures. What scriptures? The Old Testament. He didn't have the New Testament. But from the sacred scriptures, you've known these scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, when Timothy's grandma and mother and Timothy himself heard Paul explain the Messiah is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, they came to faith in Jesus Christ. But as Timothy reads this letter, he goes on to the next statement. Paul said, all Scripture, Timothy, all Scripture, not just the Old Testament. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And when Paul penned those words, I'm not sure, in fact, I'm quite confident he did not know that his 13 letters, and this letter, the last one, would be included in our New Testament. He was speaking like an Old Testament prophet. He had the wisdom that God gave him regarding all Scripture that would eventually be brought together in what we call our New Testament. All Scripture is inspired by God. And we have in our hands today, not just the old, but the new, all 66 books of the Bible, the old covenant, the new covenant that enables us to come to know Jesus Christ, just like Timothy came to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to fast forward you one more time. I want to take you to the book of Hebrews. That was written later. And... We don't know who wrote Hebrews. I personally think it was Apollos, but it didn't matter. This is inspired word of God. And here's what he wrote in chapter 10, verse 24. And here's why I wanted you to really zero in on the name that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the encourager. Notice, and let us watch out for one another as believers to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. But, now get this, encouraging each other. What do you think the basic Greek word and concept is there for encouraging one another? It comes from the very word, parakleo, the verb, 
Parakalos, the noun. Here the participle, encouraging each other. And all the more you see the day approaching. The Holy Spirit inspired the author of Hebrews, in essence, to give us, every one of us, the same name that was given to the Holy Spirit. Think about that. In other words, Jesus said, I'm going to send you the parakletos so that all of you as believers, the parakletoi, that's the plural. We are the parakletoi, the encouragers. How can we be the parakletoi? Because we not only have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, but we have the Word of God that was inspired by the Holy Spirit Himself. I don't know what that does for you. It almost sends chills up and down my spine. We are the encouragers of one another. And how can we encourage one another? Because of the Word of God that has been given to us by the Spirit of truth. I received a call going on 20 years ago now from Brahman Holman. I just passed my baton of leadership to my successor at the last church I started in Dallas. A voice on the other end of the line said, Jane, you know we've just completed a brand new translation of the Bible called the, then it was called the Holman Christian Standard Bible, now it's called the Christian Standard Bible. And they said, we would like for you to take our brand new translation and do a principles to live by study Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I thought, what? This was a total surprise. And they knew that I had focused in a number of books that I had written on principles to live by. And they said, you know, we think you can do this in about two years because of everything you've written. <laughs> Hello. Seven years later, I did accept the challenge. And seven years later, week after week, literally day after day, full time, I went from Genesis to Revelation and embedded in the biblical text 1,500 principles to live by with commentaries. But here's the miracle. As I began the process, I knew that I, had, I needed a group of people that would be a part of a class where I literally teach these principles. Give me feedback, interaction. And so, my tech guy, who's with me, David Powers, he's here today. Dave said, Gene, if you're going to teach all this, we need to videotape it. And I said, great. He was just thinking, let's put it online so people can just follow it. Well, here's what happened. And this is a miracle, absolute miracle. We're in the seventh year. I get another call. <laughs> they said, Jane, Jane, QR codes, uh, YouTube. Now we could take all of your videos. We could have put a QR code with all 1,500 principles, and people can access all 1,500 of the videos that you did for those seven years. And that was a miracle, because if we had not videotaped all that material, we never could have reproduced it. And what happened is, when it came off the press, 1,500 principles, 1,500 QR codes, 
And we begin to get feedback from all over the world of people downloading those videos. Because English is the second language of the world. But I share this story to share this thought. You can't spend seven years verse by verse, line by line, day after day, looking at the whole biblical story without developing a deeper appreciation of this gift. We're not Bible worshipers. We worship the one that is revealed. Jesus Christ, revealed by the Spirit of truth. Father, thank you. It's humbling to realize that we're a part of your great work. I thank you for the privilege. I just thank you that I'm alive. I can be here with these people. I can share your word, and I pray that all of us will share your word, not only understand it, but share it, as we encourage one another because of your Spirit who dwells within us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. 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 Gene, thank you again. Um, uh, thank you. This has been fantastic. What a privilege. Thank you for inviting me. Um, okay, so real quick. Oh, we've got a minute. We've got a minute. Um, uh, okay, so let's open up. I want them to get to experience and kind of see what you're talking about here. Okay. So that as we're John 14. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, the page, I think, was on the screen just to show you an illustration of what it looks like. And you see the QR code? Mm -hmm. There you have the principle, the commentary, the QR code. So... If we take your phone and scan that, a video will come up where I actually teach that passage. So, so you understand that and just get a feel of it, let's just take from the phone to the big screen, and here's what it looks like. The Spirit of Truth. We are to consult God's written word regularly, asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds to understand and apply scriptural truth. Here's Gene. While Jesus was there in the upper room following the foot washing experience and teaching them to love one another, he made a very direct reference to the Holy Spirit. By the way, uh, this is a different shirt that I've got on. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> um, I go on then and teach. I actually teach that for uh, about 10 or 15 minutes. So there are 1,500 of the videos from Genesis uh, to Revelation, and it's just been exciting to see what God's doing with that. Now, you, you redid it in high def? Yeah, right. After the seven years, um, I felt like we needed, because we didn't have high-definition cameras, so we went back and started, and it took another 12 years, so it's a 20-year project, really. <laughs> uh, we, took, we redid all the videos and took them to high-definition. Okay, so I bet you've got some examples of kind of how God is using 
has been using this in some Chris, amazing ways. Chris, uh, it's just it's so exciting. I get emails almost every week, sometimes two or three times a week, from people who say my life is being transformed. I'm understanding the Bibles I never understood it before. And I, here's a couple, for example. This this is illustrative, but I, I'm encouraged every time I see this this, <laughs> this story. I love the Life Essential Study Bible because it has taken me to places that I've just never been able to go before in, in studying. I've been studying the Bible for a long time. I started when I was probably about 27. Although I had been raised in the church, I'd never really read the Bible much before, but I started then. And I read through the Bible a lot, um, went to a lot of Bible studies, but never experienced anything like this. Now. We read the Bible, we access the videos, and we experience Gene's teaching. And it takes us in the Old Testament to what was going on then, and it takes us also to the New Testament and helps us understand how the two work together and how God had this plan before the world was ever created. And it, you can just see it through Gene's teaching. The Life Essential Study Bible for me um, took a black and white situation and colorized it. It opened up a whole new world to me, uh, having gone to Israel a year and a half ago and then to see what Gene is taking and colorizing for my world. Uh, I was not an active uh, Bible reader and I always felt ashamed of that. And uh, now having studied and we're starting with the, the first uh, books in the Bible and we're now in numbers and, and daily Lisa and I read um, the Bible and go through Gene with his QR codes and, and uh, for me it's been uh, just awesome. It's been a, a life-changing situation. It's developed our marriage, it's opened up communication and uh, I just feel so blessed to be able to read that daily and to know that uh, doing something with my wife is helping us to become closer to uh, Christ. And here's, here's one of the most encouraging stories. Um, I got acquainted with a, a lady who went through a horrible divorce. She lived in Atlanta, and she had adopted a little girl from China. Her name was Mimi. And Mimi saw her Mama studying the Bible and taking notes, and she said, Mama, I'd like to have one of those myself. Mm -hmm. And so she called me, and I s sent one to Mimi. And Mimi came to Dallas with her mama, and I said, Hey, Mimi, could you tell us what the Bible means to you? And, and here's her story. This is basically the first take. <laughs> you know? Well, I wanted a copy of this Bible because I've been seeing my mom go stronger from the Bible, and honestly, I didn't have that good of a relationship with God, and I felt that if I got this Bible, I can understand how to get that, and it really did help me to get there, and I've been just helping other people, and it's just been so helpful for me to be able to know that I have a good relationship and I was able to share it with my friends and it's just been so, so helpful. I don't know if you, you caught it, the fact that she really became a believer, she was saved uh, through that process. But several months ago, I called <coughs> Mimi and I said, Mimi, and now she's in college. 
<laughs> I said, could you just reflect on the experience? So she sent me this, this video on her phone. Hey, Jean, I am so excited that you asked me about my Life Essentials Bible. I still have the same one that you gave me on my 11th birthday. So I've had this Bible for almost a decade. Uh, I've loved using it throughout the years, and the principles to live by sections and the QR code videos have been great reading supplements. Um, and I'm so excited to see what God has in store and what more I can learn through my Life Essentials Bible. Boy, <laughs> that makes it worthwhile. <laughs> I mean, the whole... 20 years when you hear a story like that. So, yeah, God's just using it in so many ways. But not just here. Not also, just you're here, also getting it yeah. Out. And that was the miracle of what happened. And so we, we made a decision right from the very beginning that for every Bible that we sell through our ministry, we give one away. All the profits go right into a Bible fund. And there are thousands and thousands of pastors and leaders around the world who could never afford a study Bible. And they're basically, they've had no formal training. So it becomes like a seminary in a box. <laughs> and we don't just give them Bibles, we train them on how to use it. For example, um, here are pastors in Myanmar. And you can see they've got all the technology. So this is like a seminary in a box for them and really understanding the Scriptures. Here uh, are pastors in the Philippines. We've sent at least a thousand Bibles to the Philippines. We just sent 300 as gifts to the graduates of a seminary in Manila. These students would never be able to afford a study Bible. And those Bibles, as I speak, are on their way to the Philippines. Here are pastors in Vietnam, and by the way, we're working on a Vietnamese study Bible. Mm. They understand English, a lot of them, but now we're going to get it in Vietnamese. Uh, here's pastors in India. We've sent at least a thousand Bibles to India, again, training them. And by the way, these pastors... Some of them are probably with Jesus because they've been martyred within the last six months mm -hmm. because of the persecution in India. But they're so appreciative of the Bibles. Um, and here's one of the most exciting stories, and that is that we've been able uh, to build a Life Essentials training center in Uganda, Africa, where we have five motel units, house four pastors, and they can come in and get training mm. And here they are getting training, and we have all the technology there to train them on how to use this. And for them, this is the first time they've ever studied the Bible. And I have to add that your own Ken and Linda Bates, who are here, are the ones that helped build the Life Essentials Training Center in Uganda. So thank you, uh, Ken and Linda, yeah, for that's that. Good. And, And to add to the story, we have just sent, not too long ago, 14,000 Bibles to Uganda. And as I speak, 14,000 more are on their way to, um, what's the country? I just got a... Kenya? Kenya. Oh. Mm -hmm. Thank you. On, on their way to Kenya. Uh, so God continues to use this, and again, 
when we, we go into a situation like this, we make the Bible available and we simply tell you that, number one, perhaps it will be a blessing to you, but for every Bible that you purchase, we give one away. That's how, one of the ways in which we fund these Bibles and send them to people who cannot uh, afford them. And so, um, it's just a privilege to be here. Absolutely. Chris, thank you. Thank you. So and, oh, I have to add, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's another story that has just unfolded. After five years, we've just completed the Bible in Spanish. And all of the videos are lip synced into Spanish and are now, as I speak, 3,000 are on their way to Cuba. Wow. I just saw a picture yesterday of Bibles in Cuba being packed in the back of the vehicle to go to a place where they're going to train pastors. Fantastic. And also 3,000 are on the way to Bolivia. And so, again, uh, we've printed 50,000 Spanish Bibles, and our goal is to give away 25,000. As people buy them here, we can give them away. Fantastic. So that it's a miracle. Yeah, it is. It's a God thing. And uh, just thank you for the privilege of sharing the Word and, and making the Bible available to, to your folks. Thank you, Gene. Thank you. Appreciate you so much. Bless you. Thank you. <clears throat> if you do get a Bible, let me sign it for you. I'll be out there. Love to do that. <laughs> yeah, I teased him first service about saying that uh, people could come out and have their Bible signed by the author. Um, I... yeah. Be careful. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, uh, this is super exciting. Obviously, you can see why um, when we saw that Gene was potentially available to come and share with us why we wanted him to. And and uh, what a great blessing he is um, to the kingdom. And so um, I know first service, there are a bunch of people afterwards who went out and got those. This is not um, Gene's, you know, big get rich scheme uh, at, at the minist in his ministry or anything like that. This is about getting God's word out. Um, you may own so many copies of the Bible right now, you wouldn't know what to do with it, um, and you've already got access or whatever, then you can buy one and give it away, and the ministry will give another one away. And so there's, there's a lot of opportunities there with that. Um, and I'm super grateful, again, Gene, for being here. And uh, not only first service and second service, but he's hanging around this afternoon and doing some training for some of our leaders tonight as well. And so um, just, just an amazing time. So we're so appreciative about it. Um, uh, next week, as we're going to be uh, taking a, a, another continue, we've only got two chapters left in First Samuel, but felt like we needed to to take a break next Sunday, um, we're going to unpack not just about our capital campaign, but as many of you know, we just did uh, a survey of, of a couple thousand emails went out to get feedback um, on kind of where things are, and I want to give you some results and, and information on that, um, as well as some other cool things that we are looking at as a church. Usually, we would wait till January to do that, but I just feel like the timing of it is is right for us. Um, and not to uh, do too much spoil here, not a spoiler alert, but the. Um, um, the number one positive feedback for our church from people who took that survey was our love and positive way that we engage with God's Word um, here in this church. It is a passion of ours to study God's Word well, to be good students, um, uh, to handle it rightly, and to, to practice the art and science of hermeneutics, of knowing how to engage with God's Word. And, 
and how to even use um, other materials, resources, commentaries, that kind of stuff. And obviously, this is exactly what Gene has done with this Bible and these um, 1,500 training videos in the midst of it. And so, um, this is something that we are deeply, deeply um, passionate about, something we take real seriously. And so, power of God's Word, it's not a magic book, it's not going to you know, ward away evil spirits because you have it on a shelf somewhere in your house. God's Word is empowered by His Spirit in our lives as we read it and submit to it and learn it and understand it and apply it. And so, um, that's our prayer. If you will, stand with me. Um, I, I think if, you know, if... if um, if in no other way that you were challenged today that God's Spirit is working in you, I think for all of us it would be that we need to saturate ourselves in His Word. The Bible is throwing so much junk at us. There are so many thousands of hours that we can spend online, on YouTube, watching just worldly junk. And some of it's fine, and some of it's what, you know, not that everything that's not the Bible is evil, but but maybe that's another aspect of the, a challenge for us is to refocus in our lives and emphasize what is God's Word teaching us because there's thousands of hours of that kind of stuff out there too. Um, I want to read to you as we wrap this up during our invitation time. You can respond however the Spirit leads. If it's, you want to pray where you are or sing, if you'd like to come up here and pray, we'd love to pray with you. Um, if, if you've got someone in this room that you know you need to go to and somehow make things right with them, I pray that you would do that. Um, and so we would love to, to engage however we can help with any of that. If you've decided you need to, you're looking for a church home and you've been through our welcome home process and you're ready to come and join our dysfunctional family here at South Spring, we would let you could come do that as well here uh, this morning. So let me read to you from God's Word. Um, and this is also from Hebrews, just a little further down. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. The very words of God.